You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Matthew chapter number 9, we'll begin reading in verse number 36. The Bible says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Verse 37, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be together in church this morning. I pray that you would bless our church. I pray for those who are watching the service, those who are listening by way of radio. We thank you for them. And Lord, I pray that for each and every person under the sound of my voice, I pray you give them a special blessing, not because of anything I say, but because of the word of God that is preached and because of the Holy Spirit of God that speaks and convicts us and challenges us. We thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for your many, many blessings. And Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Of course, this is Labor Day weekend, and uh, I'd like to draw your attention in this passage. Uh, we'll use this passage to start, and we'll go to many other passages today. I don't usually go to a lot of different passages, but we will today. I want to draw your attention to verse number 37 where Jesus said unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. Now that's a good thing if you are a farmer, right? You want the harvest to be plenteous. Uh, you want there to be a good amount of crops that you can bring in uh, at the end of that season. But Jesus gives the good news, but then he gives the bad news. He says there's a harvest that is plenteous, but he said this, there are laborers that are few. Jesus said there are not enough workers to get the harvest in. And we all know if you don't get the harvest in in a certain amount of time, eventually you lose that harvest. Now, Jesus is not talking about corn. Jesus is not talking about wheat. He's not talking about soybeans here. Jesus is talking about something more important. He's talking about the souls of men and women and boys and girls. Notice verse number 36, when he saw the multitudes, that's when he was moved with compassion. And then he said, hey, there's a harvest of souls that need to be reached, but the laborers are few. Verse 38, pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus gave his disciples a prayer request. He said, here's my request. He said, I want you to pray that God will send more laborers into the harvest field. Now, I think every one of us ought to pray that prayer. I think that ought to be on our list. But can I tell you this? If you're going to pray for somebody else to go, that means you first must be willing to go. Uh, you can't pray and say, Lord, please send so-and-so and please send so-and-so until you first say, Lord, here am I, send me. And if you call me, I'll go. You say, well, pastor, I don't think I could go to a, a third world country. I don't think I could go to a foreign land. Well, I'm not asking you to go to a foreign land because guess what? There's a harvest right here in Roanoke Rapids. There are people that need Jesus right here in our town. 
Halifax County needs you and Northampton County needs you and the surrounding area, they need you to be a witness at the workplace. They need you to be a witness in your neighborhood and be a witness in this community. So there's a, a harvest that is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Now, before we get into the message, just by way of introduction, I want to say this. We are seeing that in 2021, we are seeing in our area that the physical laborers are also few. Have you noticed how that everywhere you go, it seems like the lines are long. It takes a long time to get anything. And almost every establishment now has a sign up somewhere that says, help wanted. Now hiring. Um, we're having to adjust the business hours just because we don't even have enough people to work. I was talking to Brother uh, Mike, right, between Sunday school and church, we were just chatting, but even with law enforcement today, there's a need. And can I tell you, that's a need that we have created because we have acted like that law enforcement's the bad guy. Well, I got news for you. We don't need to defund the police. We need to encourage them. We need to pray for them. We need to help them. But, but there's a need in our society for workers, and it seems like people don't want to work anymore. Maybe it's because we've been paying people to stay home and do nothing. Now, I'm not, I'm not that smart, and please don't say amen there, although you could. <sighs> Gotta be careful, you know, you never know when somebody's gonna shout it out. Um, I'm not that smart, and I don't have it all figured out, but I know one thing. If you pay people to stay home and not go to work, they're probably not gonna be eager to go back to work, right? Uh, but if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. Work is not a bad thing. We'll see that in, in Scripture, but work is a good thing. But people don't want to work. And it's not just because of COVID, and it's not just because of uh, Trump or Biden and the stimulus money. Even before COVID, there were so many people, and there have been so many people, that they were doing better by staying home and collecting a check for not working than if they had gone out to get a job. You see, work is something that is uh, becoming a, 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 a negative in our society. Seems like people are trying to get out of work. Seems like people are trying to uh, uh, do as little as possible. But I want to tell you, work is something that God instituted and work is a good thing. Now, we're talking about the physical side of things. Let's talk about the spiritual. Did you know that Victory Baptist Church did not happen, it did not come to existence in 1989 because a group of people wanted to do the easy thing and a group of people just said, hey, let's just throw something together. You know, Victory Baptist Church began in 1989 and it continues to this day because there have been some people that have worked. There are people that have sacrificed. There are people that have prayed. There are people that have given their lives and poured this, their lives into this ministry. I want to tell you, it takes work to build a church. It takes work to keep a church going. It takes work to be faithful to church. It takes work to teach a Sunday school class. You say, oh, what do those Sunday school teachers do anyway? They just babysit. Oh, no, no, they, they study a lesson. They prepare a lesson. They pray for those children. They, they contact those children. They, they invest their lives in those children. Oh, it must be easy starting a Christian school. Huh. Well, go ahead and do it then. Let us know how it goes. 
Can I tell you, it takes some work. Take some work to run some buses. You say, oh, what's the big deal? You just, you hop on and you go get the kids and bring them back. Uh, yeah, that's the easy part. The hard part is uh, all the preparation and all the time. And while you're eating lunch this afternoon, the bus workers are still out dropping kids off and they're getting back late. And, and the mechanics and the, uh, the, the planning and the vehicle inspections and the maintenance and the money and the sacrifice and the organization and the time on Saturdays. And Fridays that our workers spend to go out and visit the children and love the children and, and, and invest in those children. I want to tell you, the ministry takes work. It takes work to reach the lost. You notice people aren't flocking to this church just because, just saying, what must I do to be saved? Now, I'm thankful people do come and people do get saved. But you know why? Usually it's the result of a coworker inviting you to come. Usually it's the result of somebody knocking on your door or somebody giving you a gospel track or somebody putting something on your door to say, hey, come visit us, come, come here, uh, here's the Bible way to heaven. It takes work to see people get saved. But we're living in a society where it seems like people don't want to work physically, but also seems like Christians don't want to work spiritually. We want it easy. We want it comfortable. We want it relaxed. We want somebody else to do the work, and we want to enjoy the blessings. I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for those who have in the past and those who still have given their lives for this ministry. But I want to say this. I want to have a ministry that we can pass on to the next generation. We can't let it go. We can't stop. We can't throw in the towel. We must work while we have an opportunity, and we must pray, and we must seek the Lord that we might have a church to give to the next generation. It's going to take some work. Let me give you a few thoughts. Number one, I believe the Bible teaches there is a reason for work. Did you know God created Adam in the garden and he didn't give him a video game system? Did you know God created Adam in the garden and he didn't give him a television and a remote control? God put Adam in the garden and he didn't just say, hey, here's your recliner. Hey, just, just sit back and do nothing. No, God created Adam and he put him in the garden for a purpose. He gave him the garden that he would tend and he would take care of. And God gave him the animals to take care of. There was a purpose. You see, in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says that God created the, the world in six days. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he made. Exodus 20, verse number 9, the Bible says, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. And of course, then the seventh day was the day of rest. Can I tell you this? There is a reason to work. There is a reason to labor. There is a reason to serve God. Work is a good thing and not just for adults. Work is good for teenagers. Work is good for children. The Bible says in Lamentations that it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. You know, when I first heard that verse, I think I was out chopping wood with my dad when I was a boy. I didn't even know that verse was in the Bible. And dad said, well, you know, Jeremy, the Bible says it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. And I'm thinking, uh, I don't know what to say to that, but uh, okay, as we're chopping wood. And as we're stacking wood, and uh, I had a lot of jobs growing up. I uh, mowed lawns and painted. I worked with my uh, uncle uh, installing fences and, and digging holes and mixing concrete and all those things. And you know what? 
I'm thankful that I had a dad and a mom that taught me how to work. We do our children a disservice when we don't teach them how to work. And then they turn 16 and we say, all right, go out and find a job. Well, they've never been taught how to work. That is our responsibility to teach our children how to work. There's a reason for work. God created us to work. We live in a society where people want to play, but it seems like people don't want to work. Uh, there are times where people will say, make this statement. They'll say, don't work too hard. Have you ever heard that statement? Don't work too hard. Well, there are some people you don't have to tell that to because they're already doing a good job of that. Don't work too hard. Work is hard. Work, work is difficult. Work does require some physical effort. But can I tell you, it is worth it. There's a reason to work. Number two, I want you to notice quickly, there are regrets. You say, well, what kind of regrets? Well, have you ever, have you ever done work and you got all done and you did it wrong? That's depressing. That's frustrating. You think I have just given my day or I've given a week or I've given a month or I've given months and I got all done with the project and it's, it's no good. I mean, it, it, it's not, it's not right. Turn with me in your Bibles. You're in Matthew. Turn with me to Mark chapter eight, please. Mark chapter eight. I want to show you what I think is probably one of the biggest regrets that a person could ever have concerning work. Mark chapter 8, the Bible says in verse number 36, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Did you know you could work your whole life you could work your whole life at being a good person. You could work your whole life at being a good neighbor. You could work your whole life at being a good parent and being a good husband or a good wife or being a good employee or a good employer. You could work your whole life at trying to be a good church member. You could work your whole life and do all the good that you could ever think of. And you could still die and go to a place called hell. This verse says you could gain the whole world. You could have all the money in the world. You could have the, 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 the biggest business and the most success, and you could have the most power and the mo most fortune and the most fame. You could work your whole life for all of that, and yet you could stand before a great white throne judgment, and you could see the books being opened and your name not being in that book, and you could be cast forever into a lake of fire. Friend, I want to tell you, there'll be some regrets, I promise you, at the great white throne. I think there'll be regrets for people that didn't listen and people that rejected Christ. But I think there's going to be a lot of regrets from people that said, I, I was a good person. I did so much good. I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried. And yet they're going to stand before the great white throne judgment and they're going to be cast into hell, even though they tried. You know why? Because you cannot get to heaven by your works. Your labor cannot get you to heaven. My labor cannot get me to heaven. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to His mercy that He saved us. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. 
and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I think one of the greatest regrets is that people will live their whole life and try to work their way to heaven only to find out that it's impossible. You can't do it. I can't do it. There's nothing we can do to get ourselves to heaven because the work has already been done. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus paid the price. Salvation is not a reward to be earned. Salvation is a gift to be received. And it has nothing to do with your good and nothing to do with my good. It has everything to do with His righteousness. There'll be some regrets. Most religions in this world say that you have to do but Christianity says it's already been done. When Jesus hung on the cross and he said, it is finished, he was saying, the work is done. The price is paid. There's nothing else left to be done. I've done it all. Can I tell you, there will be some regrets for those who try to work their way to heaven only to discover it's impossible. I believe there'll be some regrets for those of us who are saved who we, we make it to heaven, but we make it to heaven and realize that we wasted a lot of time down here. You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, labor not to be rich. You say, well, what's wrong with being rich? There's nothing wrong with being rich, but if that's what you work for and that's what you live for and that's your focus, you're gonna find out that you can't take it with you. Once, once you die, once you leave this earth, your money's not going with you. You're going to leave that money. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes 2 before I get ahead of myself. Ecclesiastes 2. Notice what Solomon said, the richest man that ever lived. He tried to find value out of stuff and out of things. And Solomon's conclusion was this. Ecclesiastes 2, verse number 10. He said, whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. Verse 11, then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. Solomon said, I was rejoicing in my labor. I was rejoicing in all the stuff I got. And then he said, it hit me. Wait a minute. This is all vanity. This is all useless. This is all empty. This, this doesn't even matter because it's just temporary. Notice what he said in verse number 18. Yea, I hated all my labor. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Everything you worked for, Solomon, everything that you accumulated, he said, I hated it because I should leave it unto the man that should be after me. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool, yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. You know what Solomon realized? All of the riches that he had acquired, all of the wealth that he had gained, when he died, it was all going to be left to the next guy. Whoever was coming after him, he said, I don't know if that person's going to be wise. I don't know if they're going to be foolish. I don't know if they're going to waste it. I don't know what they're going to do with it. Well, friend, I got news for you, okay? And let me say this as kindly as I know how. I'm not against you leaving things for your children. I think that's a, a wonderful thing to do. I think it's a notable thing to do. I'm not against it. But in my experience... 
and what I've seen as a pastor. Can I tell you, most of the time, what you leave for your children is not going to be a good thing. It's going to be a negative thing. You know why? Because I've seen families fight and feud and split and not speak to one another all because of a few thousand dollars. All because, oh, they got this and I wanted this and oh, what about this? I got news for you. When you die, when I die, we're not taking it with us. And so why would we live all of our life for things that are temporal when in reality we should be living for what is eternal? You see, the regret that we will have, I believe, is that we worked for things that really did not matter for eternity. I think a regret we'll have is that we didn't rely on the Lord. Psalm 127, the Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I think there's going to be a lot of regrets someday when we say, you know, we tried to do it. We tried to figure it out. And we didn't really trust the Lord when we should have. Can I tell you, there's a reason to work. Number two, there are regrets. Number three, there's a result. We've already talked about this, but there is a result. There is a, 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 a profit. There is a reason to work. James says it like this. Faith without works is dead. So yes, you ought to trust the Lord. And yes, your salvation comes by faith. But if you're saved, if I'm saved, guess what? There ought to be some works. There ought to be some things that we live for, for God. Not uh, to get saved, but because we are saved. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 2 Timothy says that this book right here will help us to be truly furnished unto all good works. There ought to be some things in our life that, uh, that, that people would say, that person acts like a Christian. That person talks like a Christian. That person thinks like a Christian. You know why? Because this book got a hold of us and there's a result of labor. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. Well, let me ask you this morning, what was the result of Jesus' work on earth? Eternal life for you and me. Aren't you glad that Jesus went to the cross? Aren't you glad that Jesus came? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't give up? Aren't you glad he endured the cross? There was a result, and can I tell you, there ought to be a result of our work. There ought to be people that come to Christ. There ought to be people that are helped. There ought to be people that are challenged because of our work. Number four, there's a rest. You see, when you work really hard and you come home at the end of the day, you know what you like? You like to catch your breath, don't you? You know what you like after you've worked for a, a whole week or a couple weeks or a month and it seems like you haven't had a break? You like a day off. Catch your breath, you get some rest. So how do you catch your breath in the Christian life? Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he said, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, how does Jesus give rest? Well, it's like this. Jesus joins in the work with us. Have you ever been working on a project that was overwhelming? Maybe if you've ever had to move and you didn't have any help. I remember one time, and I, there was just, it was my lack of planning, I know, but I remember I had a couple appliances I had to move one time and I didn't have anybody to help, and it was, it was a certain time I had to get it done. And I remember having a, um, I, had a, I had a refrigerator in a dolly, and there was a ramp going up a truck. And I remember thinking, you know what? 
I just might die from this right here. This is not a smart thing to do. And of course, I didn't tell my wife. She was at home with Lacey and Savannah when they were little. I didn't tell her. But I remember thinking, you know, this is not good. This is not supposed to be a one-man job. I got news for you. The Christian life is not supposed to be a one-man job. You're supposed to do it with Jesus Christ right beside you. We are co-laborers together with God. Jesus comes and he gives us rest because he joins us in the work. Hallelujah for God helping us with the work he's called us to do. Number five, quickly, I see there's a reward. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that there's a reward for our labor. 2 Corinthians 5 says there's a judgment seat of Christ where we will be rewarded. I want to tell you this, our labor is not in vain. It is worth it to serve God. You may work at the job and you may get your paycheck at the end of the week or at the end of the month or whatever, and you may look at that paycheck and say, not worth it. <laughs> this job is way too hard. This job is way too stressful. And that's not nearly enough money. I'm not sure it's worth it. But when you stand before the Lord, and when I stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, I promise you there will be no one that'll say, ah, it wasn't worth it serving God. Oh, I, I went to church too much. I read my Bible too much. I know I prayed way too much. That was overkill. Oh no, there, it's worth it. There's a reward. And then lastly, I see there's a resolve. Hebrews chapter 10, and I will close with this. I'm not saying I'm done, but I, I'm saying I will close with this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, there ought to be a resolve. The Bible says, let us consider one another. That's a good thing to do, right? To think about others. And, and that's not human nature. We always think about ourselves. For instance, right now, some of you, you're not thinking about me. You're not thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch. You're thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. Some of you, it didn't even cross your mind what the pastor's going to eat for lunch. Matter of fact, now I'm thinking about, I wonder what I'm going to have for lunch. But that's human nature, right? We, we focus on ourselves. We focus on our own needs. But Hebrews says, let us consider one another to provoke. Some of you are thinking, I'm good at that. I can provoke my spouse, who I know all the buttons to push. I can provoke my children, and my children definitely provoke me. I love provoking my coworkers. Oh, that's the most fun I have. That makes going to work worth it, just being able to make them mad. I'm going to provoke them. But the verse goes on to say, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. You know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to encourage each other to work. We're supposed to encourage others to serve God. So here's how, I'm, here's how I choose to do it. I want to encourage some of you today. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, uh, Brother Lewis, I was wondering if you could help me over there. We've got some stuff we need to do over there. Hey, Brother George, uh, we've got some stuff in the lobby. I was wondering if you could kind of, you know, work on that over there. Brother David, you know, um, would you mind over in the gym? We get, uh, you mind doing that? Now, how many of you are encouraged to work seeing me sitting down doing nothing? <laughs> You're thinking, if you want it done, why don't you do it yourself? But how about this? 
How about if we're busy working and we say, hey, would you help me with this? I'm working on this. Could you help me? Hey, could you help me with this? Hey, could you help me with this over here? And we provoke one another to good works when we're doing it, when we're having a good time, when we're not complaining and we're not, oh, I'm telling you, it's so hard and all oh, my life is so bad. And don't you want to help me? <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, I'd like to stay away from you, truth be told. But we encourage one another to good works. And here's our resolve. Our resolve is this. We just determine, say, with God's help and by God's grace, we're going to keep working. We're going to keep serving till Jesus comes. And when we hear those words, well done, it will be well done, thou good and faithful servant. What does a servant do? A servant works. A servant serves. And what a privilege we have as Christians to serve, not the CEO, not the boss, not the manager, not the president, uh, not, the, not the government, but what a privilege we have to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.